Welcome to Chicago West Sunday Sermons, where we encourage with the gospel of Jesus Christ, equip within Christ-centered community, and engage with good works. This week, we will hear a sermon from Pastor Kent Steiner. Grateful you made it in here this morning and uh, can be with us. Um, it's so good to see each other and uh, be together on a Sunday morning because we are the body of Christ and we are a community and we need each other. We do need each other. And so if you're joining us online as well, uh, virtually that's uh, great too. And so we are excited to get in God's word here again. And we're in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1. And so we're in a series, and this series is called Take Hold, Take Hold of the Divine Nature. That's what uh, this is charging us to do. And Peter uh, here, who's writing uh, Second Peter, he's one of the 12 uh, disciples. And you can think about he's the one that uh, Jesus called himself and was with Jesus throughout his whole uh, ministry. And Peter right here, he's writing to those that have already chosen Christ. So if you're here, sitting here this morning and uh, you believe you've chosen Christ for yourself, he's not just writing to those 2,000 years ago, he's writing to you. He's writing to me right now as we're here uh, together. And what he's encouraging, what he's exhorting uh, those who have chosen Christ to do, it's this, to take hold of our faith to hold on to it, to press into it, and get after it. And we can see that right here in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1. Let's look at verse 4. So if you've got your Bible, I'd love for you to open that up. If you can get it on your phone, uh, we're going to be in 2 Peter all the way through. So let's look at 2 Peter uh, chapter 1 and verse 4. It says this, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers, partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in this world because of sinful desire. See, that's what he's encouraging each and every one of us right here is to be partakers of the divine uh, nature. That was our first message last Sunday. We went through verses 1 through 4, where we just uh, landed here. And so just thinking of that this morning, hey, uh, as we think about God, here's the truth is God isn't just loving. God actually is love. So let's hear that again this morning. God isn't just a loving God. He actually is love. And partaking of the divine nature is really taking in his love for us and who he is. And so we're not just called to be loving, we're called to live out love. We're called to be love, just as he is partaking of his divine nature. God is truth, right? He is truth. And so partaking in his truth, knowing his truth, living out his truth, partaking in his divine nature. God is holy. He's holy, 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 as God's word says. And we are to be holy as he is holy, partaking of the divine nature. Again, we're not generating this ourselves. It is the gift that we have through Jesus Christ that we have God's divine nature in us. And so that's where we started last Sunday, partaking of the divine nature. And now we're in message two, that we'll start in verse five, and we'll go through verse 15. And before we read this, before we go through it, 
I just want to let you know there's two focus areas I just want to highlight as we read through these verses together. We're going to read through them uh, here in just a moment. But here's the first thing I want you to look for. It's this, is that it's presenting to us, each and every one of us, a great opportunity. There's an opportunity that's been given to us if we've chosen Christ and we've received Christ. There's seven distinct qualities that we get through our faith in Christ as we grow in him. So be looking for the great opportunity that's there. But then the second thing I want you to look for as we read through this is that there's also a great warning. I said it again, there's a great warning here for those of us that have chosen Christ as well. And so let's be looking for that as we start in verse 5 of 2 Peter chapter 1. Here we go. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. There's the seven. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from becoming ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgot that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we can say amen to that. Amen. Therefore, I tend always to remind you of these qualities that you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it is right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Amen to God's word. Do you see the great opportunity that is listed right here that Peter's exhorting to us right now? Sisters and brothers, did you see the danger? Did you see the warning that he's also representing as well? That he's given to us as we gather together this morning? Here's a message title for our time together in this text. It's to exercise our faith and keep it. It's to exercise our faith and then we keep it. See, sisters and brothers, we've been given our faith to exercise. If we exercise our faith, we will keep it. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this word. I thank you for this truth. And God, I would just pray, Lord, would you make this alive to us in whatever way is you would have? Lord, I just plead with you that this morning. Lord, I need to be filled with your grace. I need to be filled with your truth. 
But Lord, I know that some in here, this might be the first time they are reading these words. Lord, I know that some in here have gone through uh, this uh, book, this chapter, many, many times in their lives. But God, we need this right now. Lord, this is something we need to be practicing every single day, exercising our faith. Thank you for the gift that you've given to us. Lord, help us to live this out. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Men, you've heard of the phrase, uh, you got to keep the faith, got to keep the faith. Uh, I was thinking that the other day. I think that's in a song somewhere, right? But that's really the reality that's right here is that we can even actually be with each other. You got to keep the faith. That's what's got to happen in our lives. You see that in verse five. Let's look at that as we go back and walk through this verse by verse. Verse five, for this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. Make every effort. So when you think about that, just in, a, in this moment here, when you think of making every effort, what comes to mind? What do you think about uh, as that phrase is just stated and as you read that here, making every effort? Well, as uh, I was just thinking about that, I thought about yesterday uh, morning, and uh, there was about 20 of us here from uh, Chicago West that went a few blocks up north and gathered at Mayfield in Chicago uh, for the Austin 5K. So uh, yes, we can cheer about that. It was, uh, it was a fantastic day and a great time to meet our neighbors, engage our neighbors, celebrate this community that God has placed us in that we are seeking to reach. And so it was a great time uh, together. And so I, I loved being able to do that with others uh, right here that I see even uh, right now. But here's the thing, we really enjoyed fellowship and connecting. But uh, man, when that gun went, uh, we were about to have to do uh, five kilometers. So five kilometers, uh, if you don't know the math on that, I don't really keep track of that too often, but uh, that's 3.1 miles. So whether you were walking or rather, or, uh, rather you were running, uh, you had to uh, get after that whole 3.1 miles, primarily down Chicago Avenue uh, East and then back Chicago Avenue uh, West. And uh, here's the thing, as you were going along, right, we had to make every effort to get it done to push through, right? So no matter how you were doing it, uh, you were being like, God, I, I need help to get this done. And I was running with some guys here, and so we were trying to encourage each other um, in that. And so as I, as I finished, as others finished, and we were gathering together, we were just thanking the Lord that we were able to make the effort, right? And uh, to complete that and have that uh, time together. Well, as we come to God's word here this morning, just thinking about that, of getting out there and making every effort. This is what Peter is crying out to us. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. Why is he stating this? For what reason? Because there's such a great opportunity. There's such a great opportunity if we push into our faith, and we see this in this text right here. And so this morning, I would just say this. I know that many of you just, you know, came in through the rain. We're pressing and from many things we just come out of this weekend. We got a lot ahead of us this coming week. But can I lovingly ask for myself and for each one of us, 
we just make every effort right now, whether we're here in person, whether you're joining us on live, online here virtually, to make every effort that we would understand, that we would know what's here. Not for what I have to say in any way, but what is the Lord has for us? That we would make every effort right now here uh, this morning. Let's go back to verse five. This is where we find our first directive of our faith. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. So here's our first directive for this morning is that we got to keep putting into practice our faith. It's just simple. We got to keep putting it into practice. See, verse 10, if we look ahead, uh, states this as well. It says, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. So we have to put our faith into practice. So as we think about putting things uh, into practice, what might come to mind as you think about putting something into practice? Here's something. Uh, if you read a, a book on parenting, so whether you're a parent right now, you're you know, playing the role of a parent, uh, you might read a book, you might be like, man, there's some fantastic information about parenting in this book. But what really needs to happen for it to really make a difference? Not just to know it, right? But you got to put it into practice. It's going to make a difference, right? You can go to a, a, training, a training on how to uh, deal with relational conflict, and you can become an expert on all the tools and ways to, you know, sort of uh, take the heat out of the situation, right? And to ask questions or whatever it is, come down the ladder, whatever those things are, right? But what must happen after having a training that you take on relational conflict? What matters is if you put it to practice. That's how it actually happens. That's how you get traction in any way. You know, uh, you know, TV shows, I got all these cooking TV shows, right? And you can watch the, the cooking and see all the things that are going on, uh, how they're, the experts are doing it. But hey, it only really makes a difference if you put it to practice in your own kitchen. See, sisters and brothers, as we gather here this morning, God has given us the faith that we have. He's granted it to us by his grace. He's drawn us to himself. And right now we're being exhorted to put it into practice. That's the great opportunity that we have in this moment. See, living out our faith is how we can grow and become spiritually mature. That's how it happens. Let's read this uh, passage, Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. Let's read this together, talking about putting our faith into practice. Therefore, as you receive Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. See, just as we've been received Christ, as we've been granted that, we're also then to be built up in him, established in our faith. And here's the thing, when we're talking about the opportunity that I was just feeling as I was in this text this week, See, when we take this opportunity, we are blessed when we grow in our faith. But also, those around us are blessed when we grow in our faith. 
That's what it means when we come together, that this isn't just about ourselves, but then as we grow in the Lord, then we're able to come alongside of others. And as others grow in their faith, they're able to come alongside of us. That's how it's supposed to work. None of us have arrived. This is something that should be increasing in us. This is where we land this morning. But here's what I love as I was just thinking about that for myself and for our body is I see this happening all the time. I get to serve as a pastor here and be here regularly, and I see how the Lord is growing my sisters. I see how the Lord is growing my brothers in their faith. And all the time I'm hearing about that and seeing that. And so I just want to say it is happening by God's grace for his glory. Just this week, I was talking with a brother who's going through a really hard, difficult time. And he shared with me how many people right here in this room or joining us online came alongside of him. He was believing some lies, and they came alongside of him and helped him to see the truth, the truth of God's word, because they were growing in maturity with him. They didn't come and just preach with him. They actually sat with him and took some time with him to really understand and really know what's going on and to bear his burden, as God's word tells us to do. And they just weren't there for the minute. They were there committed for him, to walk with him and to be with him and to pray with him. And he was so blessed. See, this is what continuously needs to happen as the body of Christ. See, when we take initiative with our faith by making every effort, it makes me think of this. Might seem like a uh, weird word here right in the moment. It's the word extracting. Extracting. Um, here's a definition of extracting it's to derive or obtain from a specific source. So you probably see that right there to derive or obtain from a specific source. So, why did I think of that as I was uh, thinking about uh, taking hold of and getting from what we have in our divine nature? It's because I uh, was just uh, the other day at a coffee roastery. At this coffee roastery, uh, they uh, showed how they took the beans and they grind the beans down, right? So you have the whole beans, got to grind the beans down. But also then they do this special way of pressing down on those, those, beads, those uh, beans that were just ground, right? And press them right at the right pressure, right at the right place. And the reason why they're doing that is to extract all the flavor, everything that's in that bean right there in that moment to obtain, right, from a specific source. And church, the divine nature is in us. It's not us, but God has granted it to us. And we're to extract what has been given to us. That's the great opportunity that we have. And so we need to make every effort to extract what we've been given through Christ. As verse 4 has stated, his divine nature is in us. But then verse 5 is saying, we've got to take our own initiative for our own spiritual growth. See, we're not to do this casually. 
we're to do this intentionally. We're not to be, do this passively, right? We're to do it urgently. And let's continue looking at God's word to see what it is that we can extract from what God has given to us. Because if we do that, there's much blessing for us and for others. So Peter here lays out the seven qualities that we just read through. And he does this by using actually a literary device uh, at that time. And it was, it was done to make a point of emphasis. So as we read this, this doesn't necessarily read in the things that are the most important come first um, or the most important are saved uh, to the last. It actually doesn't even really mean that you have to have all of one of these. Then you can get to the next quality it's just making the emphasis that we need all of these together at the same uh, time. And these qualities should become increasingly more evident when we exercise our faith. So let's uh, go to these and let's break these down. Uh, here's the first one that we see. And it says, supplement your faith with virtue. Virtue. See, this is also translated goodness. It is the godly character that is built by thinking and doing right over and over again. See, it's the character that is built by doing right over and over again. See, doing right when people don't even know because you are committed to obey God. See, that's what virtue is. That's what goodness is. Let's look at Philippians 4 and verse 8 that give this to us. Let's read this together. Finally, brother, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. See, this is what we're to be focused on. This is what we're to seek to live out in our lives, to have virtue, to be, have goodness because of the divine nature that God has granted to us. And see, then as we embrace virtue, goodness, then the next thing it says then, virtue with Knowledge. Knowledge is the next quality we see here. And that is to simply understand the truth of God and act rightly upon it. To understand the truth of God, but also then to act rightly upon it. It's literally to be living by the light of the word of God living by the light of the word of God. Romans 12, 2. Let's read this together. It says this, do not be conformed to the world, right? The world in its darkness, the world with its agenda, right? But do this, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern. What will we discern if we do this? It's this, what is the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect? See, this is knowledge. We'll be able to understand 
We'll be able to discern what is the will of God and to act rightly upon it. See, if we put our faith to practice, this will become more and more of who we are. Discernment by the will of God. Does anybody here need discernment in what what they face later this week? Anybody here not sure what they what decision they need to make, what uh, how they should approach an individual or a circumstance or a situation? Are we, are we going to try and just figure it out ourselves? Are we going to press into our faith, put it into practice, and ask God to give us the discernment to grow us in that and His in His will and understand the truth of His word, so we have knowledge. That's a quality that we have by his grace. And here's the thing. In those that we'll interact with this week, do they need my knowledge? Do they need your knowledge? They need the knowledge, right, that comes through the faith that you have in Christ. That's what they need. See, this is what we need to get after, virtue, goodness. Ask God to give us knowledge. Here's the next one, self-control. Self-control. What is that? It's being committed by the power of God to resist sinful temptations that we have already been set free from. See, that's the thing, that temptations come, right? But we've already been set free from them. We don't have to fall in that trap anymore. We don't have to continue to go down the same street that we have before. This doesn't mean that we're never going to sin again, right? We're not going to be perfect here, right? But as we press into our faith that we can have self-control, and when somebody says something to us, we don't have to fly off the handle, We don't have to react out of the flesh, but by the power of the Spirit that we can have self-control of our thoughts. We can have self-control of our actions. This is a quality that we can have. See, this is literally like having a grip on yourself by the Spirit. It is living in control of our hearts and minds in Christ. Let's read 1 Peter 1.14. Let's read this together. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. See, we don't have to go that way anymore. That we can have self-control. Self-control then with steadfastness. I've been saying that the last couple days. I like that word, steadfastness. It is keeping in pursuit of living out what God has called us to be and do. See, this especially emphasizes not quitting when it gets difficult, but keeping after it. See, that's spiritual growth when we have endurance, when we have perseverance, And here's just a thing, let's reflect it on us. Do we need sisters and brothers in Christ 
to have steadfastness for us, to walk alongside of us in our ups and downs. See, we don't always have this together, but sometimes we can come alongside of each other and we can be steadfast when somebody else just doesn't have it because of what the Lord has done for us. Let's read Hebrews chapter 12 and verses one through three that describe this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Where is it we're going, church? Where is it we're going? We're looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for their joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. See, what I love is that we're not asked to do anything that Jesus hasn't done already for us. He's the one that's gone before and made the way. We're walking in his way with steadfastness by his power and through his grace as we exercise our faith. Steadfastness then with godliness, godliness. See, this is the determination to please God with your life above anything else. So you're determined that I'm going to please God with my life. That's just what your focus is above anything else about what others think or their opinions or how I'm going to, you know, prove this or prove that. God, would you just help me to please you? That's what godliness is. When choices and decisions are to be made, turning to God is then what happens first. That's what should be happening first in godliness. Let's look at 1 Peter 1, verses 14 through 16. It describes this as well. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. We just read this. But as he who called you holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. See, it's knowing God, but it's also responding to God. That is godliness. I'm grateful that he's right here with us. As I just stated that, we know this, right? Where two or three are gathered in his name, I am there with you. Godliness, godliness with brotherly affection. Brotherly affection is the sincere affection that we should have for our sisters and brothers in Christ. This actually comes from Greek word Philadelphia. So, uh, so those of you who know our pastor, Pastor John, you know I had to think of him right away. Right, born and raised in uh, Philly, and he's a huge, you know, Philadelphia Eagles fan right now. Uh, but we know this, right? The Philadelphia is the city of what? Brotherly love, right? That's where that comes from, right? But that's just not for a city. That's what we're committed to as a church. 
that we would have affection for, that we would care for each other, for our sisters and brothers in Christ all together by the love the Father has for us. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, describes this to us. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere, what? Brotherly love, sisterly love, love one another earnestly. Again, <laughs> with make every effort from a pure heart, right? See, there's nothing worse than like fake love. Putting on the mask and, you know, smiling at somebody, tell them you love them. And then uh, when, they, when they walk away, then you turn to somebody else and you say something about them. See, that's the way the world works a lot of times, right? If you love me, I love you. Hey, if I can get somebody else to love me by not loving you, I'll get them to do that. Sisterly and brotherly affection for one another. That's what we need to be committed to. That's what we need to live out. Here's the last one. Brotherly affection with love. Certainly not the least. Love is the compassionate and righteousness seeking of the well-being of all, of all others. See, everyone is made in God's image. Amen? God's love for us overflowing out of us and onto all those around us. So that's why we have God's love flowing and overflowing out of us and onto all those around us. We got two verses for this. Here's 1 John 4, 19. We love, why? Because he first loved us. And secondly, 1 Thessalonians 3, 12. And may the Lord make you increase, make you increase and abound in love and one for another and for all as we do for you. Love that there that we can be praying, we can be asking for the Lord to increase in us love for each other. And here's one thing I'll just say again, just by God's grace, but I'm just so grateful when people are newer here to the church or been here for a while, I do hear that people say, I do feel loved. We do say that after the service, but it isn't just a token thing that we are committed to it. But can we grow in it? Yes, we can. So let's be established in that. See, how powerful is it when all seven of these come together, as Peter is describing these right now, how great our opportunity that we've been given. This is how we can become who God can make us to be. All these qualities growing in us. And let's just say growing again, right? Growing in us, got a ways to go if we put our faith into practice. See, one powerful way to make every effort is to pray for the Lord to grow us in all these ways. 
That's one way we can make every effort. So maybe I just say, hey, can we make a commitment that this week we'll be seeking after the Lord to increase these qualities in us? Let's be committed to that, making every effort to pray that the Lord would grant us that. See, this is a great opportunity. We've seen verses 5 through 7, but now verses 8 and 9, we get to the point where now it describes to us the great danger. It gives to us the warning that we need to see and to have if we don't keep after exercising our faith. This is what uh, Peter describes to us in verses 8 and 9. Let's read these. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. See, here's our next directive is this, is that we have to keep strengthening our faith or it is in danger. If we're not strengthening our faith, it's literally in danger. This is the warning that we need to receive this morning, those of us that have chosen Christ. See, what happens if we don't put our faith into practice? Our faith can fade. Our faith can fade. This is a great danger. As I thought about that, I thought about um, uh, learning a second language. And so uh, maybe some of you uh, took a, a language in high school. Maybe you took one year or two years of it or took all four years of it. Or maybe in college or whatever that is. Or maybe you got on to the, you know, uh, you used some software to sort of learn uh, a second language and to have that. But here's what happens if you actually gain some language skills, and you're able to be able to interact in a, in a language that's not your first language, if you don't put it to practice, if you don't keep after it, what happens to it, church? You lose it. It fades. It literally fades. So why is it any different with our faith? that we can just be on cruise control and just think that it's going to continue to happen. See, the danger here is that our faith can fade. This is where this gets pretty, pretty heavy. Nothing has revealed this danger more than this recent COVID and challenging season. So as I was just praying about this and thinking about this, where is, it that we need, where is it that we see this actually happening and going on? Uh, here's the first thing, is during this challenging season of COVID, here's one thing that I've seen is disconnected Christians. First thing is disconnected Christians. I've heard this over and over again 
in many different ways, but it's really the same thing is, hey, during COVID, um, maybe our church wasn't meeting, so I wasn't able to come, and I didn't really press into the online, and then after a while, I wasn't really connected to my sisters and brothers in Christ, and I sort of got away from it for a while, and next thing I know, it's been months since I've actually been connected and everything else, and all of a sudden, I'm just realizing I'm so isolated. I'm so disconnected. And actually, what is shared a lot of times in that way is that I actually feel my faith that's fading, that I, that I, that I can't feel it, I can't see it, I, I, I don't have that. See, disconnected Christians, we can see that. Here's the next thing, discouraged Christians. And so, I know this to be true for myself. I know this is true for us. There are really real reasons why we get discouraged. Why we even feel let down by God. We have prayers that we are praying. We are seeking God to answer in a specific way, and it doesn't happen, and we're very discouraged. We see Christians acting the way that they shouldn't be acting taking up agendas that they shouldn't be taking up, being divided the way we shouldn't be divided, and being focused on us versus them. And where's the justice? There's many reasons to be discouraged. Many reasons to be discouraged. But if we let that discouragement keep us from pressing into our faith, if we're not seeking after what it is that the Lord has for us in that, then our faith will start to fade. See, God can handle our discouragement. He can handle us coming to him. But if ever that we need each other, it's now, right? When we're discouraged, and there's so many reasons for that, because then here's the last one, doubting Christians. And again, when I say that, there's no judgment here. I doubt things at times, right? And I'm a pastor. But if we can let someone else who questioned us or someone else brought something to us, and then we can sort of sit on that and sort of let that just stew or whatever, and we don't really bring that to the Lord, and we're not really seeking after, pressing into our faith about that and coming alongside of others, that doubting can lead to our faith fading. Again, I've seen that over and over again. See, these are real complicated challenge, challenges, and they don't have easy answers. They don't. But my sisters and brothers, what Peter says here is so true. Your faith must be the focus of your life. These things will come, but our faith must be our focus of our life. We have no other choice. See, look at verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, what does it do? They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the challenging times, it keeps you connected to the Lord. 
having a real relationship with Jesus in the moment. See, hear me on this. If you're really claiming Christ, this cannot be true. Your faith cannot be a side hustle. Your faith cannot be a side hustle. See, that your, your faith is something you just go to when you feel like you really need it or you feel like you really want it because that literally is just a side hustle. And when things really are hitting the fan, when things are really going on, You don't have the foundation that you need. See, church coming together as a church body to receive together from the Lord must be a priority. If you're not taking hold of your faith, sister, if you're not taking hold of your faith, brother, you're in danger of it fading away. See, if you're allowing the ways of this world to mostly dominate how you live, you're playing with fire. This passage talks about this throughout. Your faith is becoming increasingly irrelevant in your life. If that's dominating. See, don't just take my word for it. Let's read verse nine again. Forever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former Sins. See, once again, right, the appeal, the exhorting, right, for us to have what we need in this time. See, we just have to keep the pedal to the metal of exercising our faith. We need to be making every effort because the devastating realities of this world will begin to take over our thoughts. That will happen See, the warning here is if you are trying to reconcile the hard things in life on your own, then your faith really is gradually fading away. Gradually. The danger is real that the faith you have known and felt might start to feel distant and it might grow doubt. But here's the thing as You sit here this morning, if that's where you're at, if you're joining us here online, right, this is why we're here for each other. There's a great opportunity that we've been declared here in verses five through seven that we can come alongside of each other. There's no judgment here. Please hear me from that. This is not a guilt trip. It's just saying that we have a great opportunity, but we have to keep after it. And there is a warning And if we're going down that road at any time, any place, by the power of God, he can meet us right where we're at. And so I want you to hear that this morning, wherever we're at. And we're grateful to be together in the different places as we walk in our Christian lives. That's why this is important. Here's our third thing, directive. It's this, we've got to keep pursuing the reality of our faith. We've got to keep pursuing it. Let's read verses 10 and 11. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. 
For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the internal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'll just say this directly. Either the Christian faith is the real thing or it's not. Either it is or it's not. If, if it's not, then just what we're meeting about here, this is all a mirage, right? It can't really be good because we're actually believing a lie. But I say that also because if what we do have, if the Christian faith is real, then this is how we need to live. See, there's really no other choice. If we do have the real thing, this changes everything. If we do have the real thing, this changes everything. Our lives shouldn't be the same. We should want to fully experience the reality of what we can have in the Lord. And verse 10 describes that, right? For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. And then also, if we live this out, look at what verse 11 then says. For in this way, then you will richly be provided you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we can be confident of what our faith provides us. It's declaring to us right here. So church, what is the compelling exhortation for this morning? How about this? Just becoming more like the awesomeness of our God. He's inviting us to that, partaking his divine nature, that this is what we can become. And that's why this last directive is so crucial as we close. Here's the fourth and last one, is keep encouraging each other in our faith. We've got to keep encouraging each other in our faith, verses 12 through 15. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. See, real quick there in verse 14, Peter believes that his life is about to be taken. The Lord Jesus promised not a good end for uh, the disciples, and he really believed maybe the, word, maybe the Lord gave him an exact word uh, telling him that, and he really felt through the persecution that his life was about to end. And we do know through church history that he was uh, martyred. So what was on his mind as he was facing death? See, that's a dying desire. And I'll just, uh, as I was thinking about what is Peter's dying desire, I did think of my uh, grandma. So uh, my grandma Bedford, she passed away a number of years ago. And uh, here's the thing, at one point in time, there was a call uh, given out that we all should come to the hospital to go see my uh, grandma because she probably only had 24 or 48 hours to live. So I remember, you know, my aunts and uncles, my parents, my cousins, we all show up uh, in the hospital room and we gather around my grandma. And uh, we really think that that's a possibility that she would be passing away very soon. 
And here's the thing that happens when you believe that you're about to pass away soon, then what you really believe, what you really think is true, you want to communicate, right? You want to get out. And so my grandma started uh, doing that and started talking to every one of us and doing that. And here's uh, what her uh, dying desire for me was. He pu- she pulled me right close to the bed. And then she pulled down my head and, you know, my bald head right here. And she started uh, rubbing my head. And, uh, and she said this. She said, Kent, man, I'm, I, Kent, I'm so sorry that you're bald. That's what she said. She goes, that, that comes from your grandpa which was her husband, you know, that had passed away at that point um, as well. And she goes, I've always felt so bad about that. She goes, but hey, if, if when, I, when I pass away, you know, there's going to be, a, you know, a bit of inheritance. So this is what you can do. I saw this uh, infomercial, and they can actually put real hair in your head. And she goes, that looks like it would hurt. Uh, but she goes, she said, you're a tough guy. I think you can handle that, Right. So my grandma's dying desire was that I would get hair plugs. Just so you know, just being real, sort of, sort of where it was at, at that moment. I was like, man, grandma could think of a lot of other things, but thank you. Thank you for your love for me. Peter loves the body of Christ. Peter knows the love that's been given to him that he doesn't deserve. Peter's love that he is declaring in his dying desire is what we read right here as we finish, as our worship team comes up right now. First thing is he wants to remind us. See right there, verse 12, therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Why do we need to be reminded? We forget, right? Just a minute, we, we forget, we get distracted, right? But there's an opportunity to be a reset for us, to be reconnected to this truth. Here's the second thing, after reminding us, he wants to establish us. You see that right there, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. See, he was concerned that the sisters and brothers would take hold of their faith, that they would have these seven qualities established and growing. Again, you can hear his love coming out to see that happen. And lastly, in his design desire, it is also to stir us up. See that in verse 13. I think it right. He's also, he's sort of asking for permission. As long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. So let me just ask this question this morning. Are we moved by this as Peter is moved to stir us up? Are we moved to be making in every way what it is the Lord would have for us to receive? See, Peter believes he doesn't have much time. We don't know how much time we have. But are we going to make everything of it? Verse 15 closes out with the same phrase uh, that he started with in verse 5. I love it. And he says this, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. See, just as he is exhorting to make every effort, he's committing to make every effort. See, this is to be received for us collectively. 
Are we doing the same thing for each other? Are we encouraging each other in our faith? Here's one way that we can do that. It's when we see these qualities, let's just encourage each other in that. When we see virtue and goodness, hey, I I see God at work in you, sister. When we see self-control, when we see steadfastness, when we see affection, I mean, it's one thing just to say thank you for doing something. It's another thing to actually lift up the qualities that are happening. I love this. This was on uh, Peter's mind here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, as we close, says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Lord, as we just close right now in this moment, Lord, would you help us to receive this in whatever way it is that you would have for us? Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you have granted to us those that have an opportunity to choose you. Would you help us to fully exercise our faith and by your power and grace to keep it? Lord, that we would have these qualities in us to be a blessing for us, but also a blessing for others. And Lord, may we be receiving what it is that we need from each other day by day. May we be committed to encouraging each other in our faith. And as we sing right now, Lord, would you just stir that up in us to respond to you by your spirit, because truly nothing in this world compares to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Chicago West Sunday Service. Join us next week.